Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5 p.m. at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. about six weeks ago, um, at the beginning of February, we were looking at the first couple of verses of Romans 12, Romans 12, and uh, we've been looking at this series of living sacrifices, and uh, I just want to go back and review the foundation of what we're talking about here, and build on that foundation today, and look at the, uh, the few verses following that. So, what we understood is that that passage was a key um, pivot in terms of the book of Romans. Chapters 1 to 11, um, Paul's been laying out this nature of who we are now, um, our new being in Christ, what Christ has done for us, and uh, some of the best chapters in the whole Bible uh, written um, there by Paul. And then there's something that happens in, in the beginning of chapter 12. There's this pivot point where, where Paul then moves on to talk about um, what theologians call the imperative rather than the indicative. So the indicative is whose God has made us to be, um, our new being in Christ, our identity. And then the imperative is what we're to do. And um, it, it looks at the next four chapters for in view of what God's done, um, what we need to do. So let's just remind ourselves of that passage. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And um, if you want to go back, you can do. Um, Dan's done a great job of making that stuff available through various podcasts, or you can just jump on the YouTube channel and um, and you can find the message there. But um, I've got down the sidebar just uh, a reminder of um, what Eugene Peterson picks up in his message um, translation. And um, so this isn't a word-for-word translation, but what he's capturing here is this very idea that embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And down through 2,000 years, well, before that as well, um, we've got into all kinds of problems with religion because we get caught up in the doing. You know, you shall do, do not do this. And the do's and the do nots, they're good. They belong there in the word. They belong in, in, in the New Testament as much as they belong in the old. But if we make that the beginning of the story, we miss the point. And um, actually what we do in understanding the kingdom is go back and look at the foundations of God rescuing his people out of Egypt and look at what God does for them before. That's right, Beata, isn't it? Um, what God has done for them for the... Uh, uh, the people of Israel, before what God then asked them to do for him and for one another. So I've got a little phrase there um, 
that I've been reflecting on, our who must come before our do. So if we start to put our doing first, we get things the wrong way around. We get into religion and legalism and beating ourselves up because we don't attain to the full measure of Jesus. Um, and uh, yeah, we can easily get lost. But if we know who we are because of what God has done, then there's this invitation to come alongside him and to partner with the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did and to grow into his likeness and to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from one degree of glory to another. Um, and so that's the kind of, that's the Christian journey um, that should be taught. And um, sometimes you don't get that version and uh, that all gets very messed up. So we're going to kind of keep that God's mercy in our rear view mirror as we're moving forward into Romans 12. Um, so we're going to start talking about a lot of doing. We're going to talk about, you know, um, how each of us is given different gifts and we're to use those gifts for the good of the body. But all of that is, um, is part of offering our bodies as a sacrifice back to him. Remember, he's the once and for all sacrifice. He's done it all. Your sacrifice, you can't add a single thing to your salvation. So not one little dot, not one little speck can you add because he's done it. It's built upon his perfection. So what we can add to it is out of our worshipful response, hey, Lord, I really love that you did that for me and you don't demand anything in return. So I'm going to give you my offering, whatever that is, my gifts, my money, my time, uh, my energy, um, whatever it is, I give it back to you and I do it all in worship. So when we're talking about finding God's will, that's the kind of context where we're going to kind of hone in very quickly on what God wants for us. Now, we can talk about general will. Um, now, we know in the Old Testament, there's a good um, 10 words of things we're not to do. Do not murder. If anybody's murdering, it's not good. You know, that's, uh, that's taken as a given. But you can't build a life on do not murder, can you? doesn't get you very far. So, you know, if you've kind of communicated that to your kids and you're discipling and bring them up, you know, we don't murder people. Um, let go of your brother's throat and all that stuff. That, that's a good start. But where do we take it to beyond that? And that's where this discovering God's will is all about. He's made us, each of us, with an individual calling and a purpose that he's prepared, it says, before even we were born. So um, how do we find that? And how do we cooperate with God and cooperate with one another? Because we're meant to do this as a team. We're meant to do this as a family. We're meant to do this as one body. And that's what we're going to dig into today. Um, so it's very important that we get that order the right way around. Our who must come before our do and not reverse that order. And when we talk about seeing God's will being done, what we're talking about is his kingdom coming. So... When you do the will of God in your life, his kingdom is breaking through. Because as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. It's that Hebrew poetic repetition, and it's explaining what it looks like for the kingdom to come. It's when God's will is done in your life. So when you treat one another the way that God wants you to treat one another, his kingdom is coming. It's breaking in on this earth. And that's in contrast to um, the patterns of this world. So... We had that very simple little diagram there. Um, do not be conformed, but be transformed 
and then you'll be informed of God's will. And um, that's the kind of framework for figuring out what to do. We can see what the world does. We don't want to be conformed to that. Somebody hits you on the nose, you hit them right back, you know, or you could do a Putin and think, well, I'm going to hit them on the nose before they hit me <laughs> and then blame them and say, well, it was because of you that I went to war with you because you were threatening me. Um, that's the way of the world. We're not to be conformed to that pattern. And you see it with your kids. You see it as they grow up through that kind of playground culture. Um, that These things are the law of the jungle. Um, and we know not to do that. But what Christ lays out for us is this picture. And uh, in his way of being, he is the holy God. He is the one with all the power. And yet still, he chooses to daily deny himself and walk um, carrying his cross. And he invites us to do the same. Um, so there's something very, very powerful in that mode of following Christ and being alternative to the world um, and living according to Jesus's. So um, um, this is how the message renders these three things. Um, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's um, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because you could be in school or at work and there's a prevailing culture and you're expected just to do what everybody else does. And yet we're, we're not to do that. We're to put Christ first and think, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? How can I um, reflect him into this? The message continues, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And that's what we're talking about here, not rules that um, are about conforming even to this new pattern of being a new creature. Um, although Matthew um, lays out for us Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, three chapters of incredible stuff, which um, it's actually impossible for any human being apart from him to do that, this side of uh, us being fully transformed. But that's the goal. That's what the kingdom looks like when we look at the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so... You know, Jesus did this good job of laying out what it looks like. And by fixing our attention on him, we're asking for that inner transformation. So this actually comes up from the inside, not this outside trying to conform to look good when really things aren't going too well on the inside. And the message wraps up by saying, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So when you do get a view of what God wants you to do, then we jump fully on board with that, and uh, we're convinced that's who we are, and that's what the Lord wants us to do. So all that said, that's just a, a background to um, the passage today in verses 3 to 8. So let's read that together. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. 
If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, Paul's not laying out an extensive list here of all the possible gifts that we can have. But he's hit upon seven gifts there that really do, as as I've been sitting reflecting on this message, do kind of um, give this broad brush stroke of what you'd want any church family and community to look like, you know. We could probably go around the room and we could kind of identify ourselves in some of these gifts. And I'm going to take each one in a moment and we're going to look at um, what those words mean and expand on those in uh, the the context of church. Some people take these and they build whole taxonomies and all kinds of programs to how you uh, are gifted and wired and they treat it like some personality thing. And they, they fix you in and they say, you're like this. So... That's not what Paul's doing here. Um, he's describing what he's seeing at work in his church communities. And so you'd expect to see all of these. You'd expect to see prophecy. You'd expect to see people speaking forth the word of God. You'd expect to see people serving, like even in this gathered meeting today before you came, um, if you weren't serving and weren't doing a particular job, somebody was. You know, there was somebody setting up the musical instruments, somebody else was setting up the teas and coffees, somebody else was running the prayer, another person was setting up the words. And so all of this dynamic takes place in a body. And the idea being is that we all benefit from that, but each part is doing its work. Similarly, I'm standing here teaching now, um, but it's not just this one slot where we teach, it's the kids who are getting taught next door or um, the youth over there who are learning how to... uh, um, to take up responsibility for their own faith and to to walk in the way of Christ and so on. Encouraging, hopefully at the end of today, somebody will have encouraged you and you will feel walking from this place like um, you, uh, you want to go into the rest of your week and making Jesus a priority. And um, giving, we don't talk about that very often. We're not great at that. In fact, we missed it again. Um, we just have a little bucket over here and most of the time it's empty because most of you are very faithful in doing that and that just happens because you've jumped on a computer at some point and you've decided that's what you want to do and so these kind of routines they just form part of who we are Um, but it's important it was important 2,000 years ago and it's important today and leadership you know there are forms of church which have tried to have very little leadership and uh what, um, what we kind of lean into is more of the Quaker model where the whole body plays a role. And so we look for participation. We emphasize everybody gets to play, but um, that's very much um, our slant on what Jesus has, has taught the people to do. And um, it's, um, it might be nice if you want to sit at the back of a big church and have, you know, really... Uh, uh, amped up worship and all of that stuff, but you could come and go and you probably wouldn't touch any of this stuff. You probably wouldn't have a chance to prophesy or serve or you'd sit and the teacher would teach, but, um, you know, the whole dynamic is meant to be interactive. It's meant to be each of us doing our part. And um, and Paul ends there with a really important gift, and we're going to major on that as we close today. Um, 
that's showing mercy. Because if we can't come to God's church and his body and find mercy, then do you remember where we started in Romans 12 in the first couple of verses in view of God's mercy? So we're merciful as he's merciful. So we've got to reflect his nature and his identity. And hopefully when you come along, you're not facing people who are judging you, um, but who are accepting you as you are, but at the same time, wanting to help you become strong in the Lord and, um, and so on. So that's just very simple kind of rundown of what a church community looks like. Now, if we could jump onto the next slide, please, James. Um, we're talking about humble service in the body. And uh, Wimber is an American. He says things maybe the way I wouldn't say things because, you know, there's that whole British reserve. Um, but, but Wimber was pretty hot on this stuff. And because he's, remember, he's speaking into an American environment where it is a lot of showy stuff. And there were lots of people who, um, in his era, were, you know, looking to draw attention to themselves on the platform. So this is what Wimber believed. The Lord doesn't want theater or show, only humble servants. If you have a call, keep your mouth shut about it and just do it. So, um, you know, straight between the eyes, that's a great uh, uh, way of saying it. I wouldn't have said it that. I would just say... Hey, if you know what God's asked you to do, just get on with it. Just do it. And, um, yeah, but uh, we still see, I think, there's lots of areas of the church which like to show off, and they like to elevate one gift over another. This isn't what Paul's doing in the context of church. This is, this is just not characteristic of, of this passage or other gift passages that we see about the body. In fact, all gift passages, there's three significant lists of gifts in, um, in the New Testament. The emphasis every single time is on one body. It's always the context. It's not about you, the individual. It's about you finding your place in the body. So I think Wimber had it just about right. He went on to say, um, actually, this book, um, with Derek Morphew and um, Nurheim Irvind. Um, he built it into the vineyard culture as a strong value not to rush to lay on hands on people and install them as gifted equippers. Now, my wife was teaching up at Pine Rivers this morning. Um, we had an opportunity to do that. Kirk and Nick are over in Portugal at the global um, meeting of the vineyard national directors. So. Churches from all around the world, um, their national directors are gathering there in Portugal to strategize and seek the Lord for us as a global movement. Um, so you were up there this morning and um, somebody gave you a comment, didn't they, that, um, wow, you, and it was funny because I'm using the language tonight, but uh, somebody said, oh, you, you've, you're a very gifted equipper. And uh, you just thought, wow, okay. Um, so that's just somebody's own interpretation of what they've seen. But this is the language that, that Wimber used. So we're going to kind of have a look at that. Don't worry, it's not going to be like this heavy mass lesson or anything. Um, but pictures are good, I find, in, in giving me understanding. I'm a kind of visual learner. Anybody else like to see pictures and stuff? Yeah, uh, I learn a lot more. So this little diagram here is about stewarding our gifts. So... The way it works with any gift, whether it's prophecy or healing or 
or even giving. Um, we might think that giving is just something innate in who we are. Well, it didn't just appear. God made us to be that way. Um, these uh, Wimber used to call them gracelets. So it's just like it appears in the moment for you to use. And some of these things, they appeared when we were very young, when we had to kind of sit around a table with our siblings and share our sweets, and we wanted to kind of keep them all to ourselves. But you have to learn the journey, don't you, of I've got a choice here. I can either be generous and give away and share my sweets uh, and lollies with my brothers and sisters uh, in the hope that there's a culture where they'll share theirs. Um, but these gracelets God gives us, we learn um, how to use these. And, you know, if we put it in the context of healing, we don't heal. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that heals. But we, when we first pray for somebody, we do it because God's put something in our hands. So we have to believe in faith that he's put something in our hand that's a tool for the job that he wants us to do. So whether it's healing or giving or prophesying uh, or serving, it's in this form of gracelets that we encounter what God has given us. Every good gift, it says in the Bible, has come from God. So we take these gracelets and over time, you can see there's a couple of axes there. Frequency, that just means... um, more often. You'll see it more often. So it's nothing like some fancy mathematical word. <laughs> it's, um, it's just that you'd expect to see it more often if you use it and you know how to use that particular gift. Let's say a service and you rocked up on a Sunday and you saw that there's a job that needs doing, that chairs needed stacking or unstacking or the, the floor needs sweeping or, um, you know, the uh, tea and coffee needs setting up and things like that. As you apply yourself, you actually are developing um, a ministry. And you might not think of it like that, but a ministry is something where uh, if you keep using that gift, you become good at it. And then others notice, oh, wow, you're a real servant. And it goes from talking about service, because anybody can do service. We can all do that at any time. And we should all serve because it's the currency of the kingdom. So if you want to be great in the kingdom, Jesus says, then you must be the servant of all. But the more you do it, then generally speaking, what you recognize is the better you get at it. Now, I've got some people who tell me, you know, I'm not very good at hospitality. I can't cook. I can't do this. And that's okay. You know, I think we can all pour a glass of water or make a cup of tea. And whatever we do, you know, it can become a gift of service. It's not necessarily about some people are incredibly creative, aren't they? And they have these, these gifts to do this amazing baking and stuff like that. Well, I think if somebody's thrown together a few rock scones and uh, they serve them to you, you're grateful for that. You, you know, so you see these things, they're taken up and they become ministries. And they actually, they move from being, you would talk about um, an opportunity to serve to actually being a servant. And then from that ministry basis, then it moves from you doing it to you actually training others to do it. And this is great, isn't it, in the context of church, is that we've got kids coming through who are learning how to do, you know, fundamental um, Bible stuff and be disciples and... In order to do that, you've got to be a gifted equipper. Uh, 
Now, it's obviously in different levels um, of ministry. Um, there are more challenges. So the reality is, I think probably everybody could could get to running a kids session. And, you know, some people are just natural at it. And you can just see it's their gift and it's their thing. I think of Claire, who she's not here tonight, is she? I don't want to embarrass her, but uh, she um, she loves working with young kids. In fact, she finds it funny because this is her workplace as much as it is her church. And so her kids come to school here. She works here and then she comes to church here. So at, at times it feels like, you know, this is this is home more than her actual home. But but that's 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 actually her vocation she's found in teaching young kids and all of that stuff. But in the context of what we're talking about in the body, there's this progression where the more we do it and the more we apply ourselves, we see that God actually shapes us to become um, gifted equippers that can do the stuff. And this is the same whether it's um, you teaching kids how to remember a Bible verse versus, okay, I'm now going to have a class where we're going to learn how to prophesy together. Um, so it's pretty straightforward. There's nothing about this that's majorly rocket science, but you can read an awful lot of stuff out there that you can now say, ah, I'm not too sure about that because there are lots of um, human ideas added to some of these scriptures. And I know some people who have done university studies about how you can apply this in, in the secular world and they start lifting this out of a context and try and create a model out of it. Now, maybe that's useful, maybe it's not. There's not a lot of data out there showing that it is useful. But what Paul's talking about here is what should exist in the context of a body. Remember, let's bring us back. Our who must come before our do. But there is an expectation that our doing will flow out. Because if we're not doing, then you've got to say, I think that person might have an issue in understanding their new identity in Christ. Because the doing is the natural flow. So this is, um, this is what Paul's laying out for us here. So we're going to quickly run through these gifts. And um, I want you to think about your identification with these gifts. Again, some people formalize this and say, you have one of these and not the others. It's not true. I see lots of people with lots of these. And uh, we have them, according to what Paul says, in different measure. So there's a measure of faith. And that's okay. I mean, in this world, it's actually not okay. That's one of those where we're, we're flying against the face of the culture because everybody wants to be great at everything. Yeah, everybody wants to be super famous. And all these influencers running around and they're trying to get, you know, as many fans as they can have so that they can um, be on top of the world and things like that. I just like, you know, hiding away and not having anybody kind of click on me. That's... That's the nicest thing I can imagine. It's kind of an upside-down way of looking at things, but I, I, I don't get that. I don't get why everybody needs to be good at everything. I'm comfortable with being me and doing well what I can do and then owning that and developing that, but then recognizing, well, I can't, I can't play the guitar. I probably I, I could learn maybe, but that's, that's a gift that you've stewarded, yeah? It's a gift that you've made available to God, and it's a gift where, you know, you've been able to, to grow in that and you've seen that, um, that process happening. So let's go through each one of these. 
So prophesying. Um, now I've put these visualizations on here. Paul talks about many parts of the body and you could have a big kind of discussion about which parts which, but it's just helpful. So the ears of the body, and there's an example there, John the Baptist. Prophecy is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, typically spoken in human words based on a spontaneous personal revelation. New Testament prophecy is used for the purpose of edification, building up, uh, encouragement, consolation, conviction, or guidance. Note that New Testament prophecy is not necessarily free from a mixture of human error. So it's okay if you get it wrong. You don't have to be stoned. You know, there's those people who are so religious that they say, oh, you prophesied this and this didn't happen, therefore we should stone you. They haven't kind of moved on in their understanding of Jesus showing up and introducing us to a whole new uh, encounter. They weren't there at Pentecost when Peter preached, you know, this is what the prophet Joel said, that I'll pour out my, special, uh, my spirit on all flesh. Um, so there is this difference with New Testament prophecy that we have to weigh it. And it seems very normal, isn't it, that, you know, even the best engineers who build buildings clearly make mistakes when you look at the earthquakes we've seen in Turkey and Syria. Um, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to stake my life on me getting something 100% correct. And it's a miracle that we do have the word of God in the form that we do. And we can know that those prophets did actually hear the word of God without error. And so we're not reflecting back onto the Old Testament and saying we have to weigh it. Um, what's in the canon is considered um, what God has spoken. But in the New Testament context, we have to assess it, look at it in line with biblical teaching. And then we also need to seek mature spiritual wisdom. So somebody who's newly coming to the Lord, it wouldn't be great to have them run off and plan their whole life in the first couple of weeks of them getting saved. But they might catch a glimpse of something. And that glimpse might have within it the seed of what the Lord's calling them to. So at the same time, we mustn't be all like, we know better than you because we've been doing this for 10, 20, 30 years. But, uh, but you seek this. It should be natural to get advice, right? You want to start a new company or look for a job. You want to talk around your friends and say, well, hey, what do you think about this? Now, this is, this is what we're doing in the context of prophecy. And we also seek pastoral counsel. If there's somebody whose job it is to care for you and look after you, then it'd be good to go and ask them if you're going to try out this whole new direction in your life. And um, they might be able to give you some uh, good insight. And um, all of that's part of you weighing about this word from God, uh, whether it's you who've heard it or somebody else has given it to you. Central thrust behind this is to provide God's truth and perspective on a situation. And the good news is that when we're talking about seeking God's will for your life, um, we've got that wonderful scripture of James ringing in our ears that if you lack wisdom, you can ask for it. And God gives generously to those that you believe that when you ask for it, you'll receive it. So in any area, this could be you solving a problem at work. How do I deal with this, this child who, who seems to be failing, who's in my care? Lord, give me a creative way that I can find a breakthrough here. How do you bring, bring up your own children? Um, I mean, I find that being a parent is, is probably some of the, the biggest areas of growth that we need and need to seek God's wisdom uh, for what's best for our kids. So uh, God promises to give us wisdom and speak into our lives in the situation. Serving. 
the hands of the body, think of Stephen and the other deacons who were raised up to serve and wait on tables because the apostles were doing that, remember, but they were getting overwhelmed and there was this complaint that uh, some people in the early church were getting favored over others. So Stephen was one of those who was raised up. Serving refers to the capacity to unselfishly meet the needs of others through practical means. Servants can typically see tasks that need to be done and offer their help with an attitude of always being ready to serve and no task being too small. And of course, Jesus nails this one and says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, this is, this is the currency of the kingdom. This is what it looks like. And so in all of these, if you're not a servant, then the question is, well, what motivation are you doing that out of? But the central thrust here is the attitude and the ability to help others in practical ways. We'll move through quickly. Um, teaching the mind of the body. Um, think of Luke, who wrote a quarter of the New Testament, um, the Gospel of Luke, and then the uh, second volume of Acts. Um, teaching is the ability to research, discover, instruct, explain, and communicate biblical truth in such a way as to cause believers to understand it and to bring about healthy growth in their relationships with God and others. And again, teaching just doesn't look like standing up here at the front of a church service it integrates into a whole world of discipleship, whether it be small group or one-on-ones and so on. So don't get kind of caught, caught in the mind of a particular model or mode. But the central thrust is to impart and clarify biblical truth. Encouraging. The mouth of the body, very appropriate to choose Barnabas. He was called... the son of encouragement. So he, he typified this to the new church. And uh, he also did a number of other things. I like Barnabas. He's one of my favorite characters. Remember, he sold his field and gave generously and uh, lots of other things. And, um, but he is encouraging. It's the capacity to urge people to action in terms of applying biblical truths, to encourage people generally with biblical truths, to comfort people through the application of biblical truth to their needs. Encouragers typically care for the spiritual needs of others. They build others up and they meet specific needs at specific times. So it's about applying biblical truth. Maybe you're not a teacher, but you can take those principles and you can keep um, kind of massaging those into people um, until it becomes... um, Uh, you know, a balm to them in terms of what they need at any moment. Giving. The arms of the body. uh, We can think of Dorcas in Acts 9 who she sewed for the the poor. She sewed for the poor and needy and made them close. Giving is the capacity to give resources, time, money, hospitality, skills, um, generously to meet the needs of others and yet to do so with uh, a purity of motive which senses that our giving is simply sharing what God has given us. And for some people, you know, this is badly skewed when you look at gift profiles. It's about getting jobs and making lots of money so you can give it to the church and the kingdom. Um, No, that's a part of it. (laughs) It's about you um, taking what you've got in your hand, whether it be some old rags or a ball of wool that you can knit for, um, I think about the thing we did with Linda and the campaign for those babies that didn't have anything and people here knitted clothes for those babies. And so it's not necessarily about having lots of stuff, but it's about a motivation of heart. I think about um, 
Michelle here who keeps rocking up with these amazing things that you've cooked. Uh, and uh, you just have this desire to want to share that with us. And that, that kind of hospitality fits in this context of giving as well. And so, you know, this is just what the body looks like. It's um, the central thrust, a sensitivity to God to channel his resources to others. And when the body benefits and we all get to eat that very tasty cake or savory dish, we all felt built up. Um, leading, leading the eyes of the body. Um, and again, leadership is another one that can get badly uh, mixed up in, um, in these gift profiles. People talk about it the way that the world talks about leadership and it's about how much influence you've got and how charismatic you are. And these things, um, you know, Jesus, it says, wasn't much to look at. Um, and certainly, um, you know, he wasn't looking for a profile. He wasn't trying to get lots of likes or anything like that. But the way that Jesus led was not through any popularity context. So what we've rendered this as is leading is the servant capacity to see what God is doing and direct others to follow Jesus toward that goal or purpose while keeping the group together. Typically involves seeing the big picture, evaluating the steps to get there and adjusting en route um, so that you get to that destination. So the central thrust in leading in the kingdom is to follow Jesus, leading others towards that vision. So if you're not a great follower, then you're not going to be a great leader in the kingdom. Um, so it really is such a different model of leadership to the way the world presents it. You know, it's not about who has the loudest voice and uh, can force you into doing their will and bend you to their means. Jesus never did that to us. Um, so, um, yeah, different model. And we're going to come to the last one. Uh, mercy, the heart of the body. And we can think of the Good Samaritan. I know it's a parable, but it reflected um, very accurately this whole thing of mercy. Um, this person couldn't walk on by. So mercy is the capacity to feel both sympathy for those in need, especially for the poor and suffering, and to manifest this sympathy uh, in some practical, helpful way with a cheerful spirit so as to encourage and help those in need. Typically, mercy is full of love and compassion, is very forgiving, focuses on emotional needs of others while caring with words and actions. Central thrust is the empathetic care for those who are hurting. And uh, there's probably nothing in today's message that is, is, is like a brand new idea. But when we take that all together, what we now have is this clear picture of what body ministry looks like, scattered throughout this uh, bunch of people here in Vineyard Brisbane West. I think if we had extra time, we could go around and we could all probably do a little bit of prophesying over one another and speaking those gifts back into people and say, hey, so-and-so, I see this on you and stuff like that. We haven't got the time to do that, um, but we could all think and look around now and think, yeah, a servant, a giver, somebody who shows mercy or who's shown me mercy. And this reflects who we are. And... Um, so it's good not to kind of wander far from this. But we're going to kind of take this now into another space um, of thinking. We're talking here about um, how as a body we humbly serve one another. 
But God put us uh, on this earth to be um, a testimony to those who don't yet know him or those who know him who've wandered away from him. So what I want to kind of lay out now is something that we've um, decided to lead on uh, as a community and offer you an opportunity. Um, we're going to have an Easter giveaway on the 2nd of April. Helen, why don't you come up? You've got some... Uh... Oh, yeah, please. That would be great if we can kind of do this the one time and not have to do it all over again. So we want to run um, something that um, we as a body can be a blessing to our community. And we can take all of those gifts, very ordinary gifts, um, service, giving, you know, um, prophecy, hopefully in terms of you hearing what's on God's heart for people that we're going to encounter. And uh, we want to take this and... Um, make it available to our community who don't know Jesus or who need to know him again.